0: This sermon is brought to you by Shatter State Chi Alpha. As you listen, we hope that you enjoy it and that it helps you in your walk. Please visit our website in the information below and drop us a message. We would love to hear from you. How many of you guys have ever been reading a piece of scripture and you're going through the information and it begins to look like a list of things that we have to do in order to achieve salvation? You guys know what I'm talking about. You start getting the list like, you have to do these commands. You have to pick up your cross. You have to give up all of your possessions and follow me. It begins to to start looking like a list of things that we have to do in order to achieve salvation. And so a lot of times we can get kind of confused while reading scripture, is our salvation dependent upon our behavior or is our salvation dependent upon grace? Is there a behavior modification that has to take place in order for us to get into heaven? Or is it 100% solid on grace? Because Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 is very clear and it says, we are not saved through works, it is through grace that we are saved, so that no man can boast. So it becomes very clear that it's not through works, right? So we are saved through grace. But, Then we have situations where Jesus has the rich man come to him and the rich man is saying, I've done this, I've done this, what else can I do in order to get the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, go and sell all your possessions and then come and follow me. So obviously there's a little bit more than just solid grace. But what I think it really is, is that it's not that it's more than grace that saves us, but that our actions And grace are intertwined so much that you really can't differentiate them. They are solid. They are together. They are the same thing. Our works and grace are combined. It is not one or the other. It is a combo of both. Because last week we led up to John 3.16. We all know John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So we led up to that, and we kind of covered what it takes to get up to that point. And so what do we do with the passages that talk about action? What do we do with these passages that uh, talk about our behavior modification? And so today we're going to be in Romans 10 and Matthew 19. If you guys wanted to get your Bibles, your phones, or you can read it on the screen. Math, or Romans 10 and Matthew 19. We'll start in Romans 10. Bless you, Romans 10, <clears throat> if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and you are justifies, excuse me, justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So begin to set this foundation of what we're going to be talking about today. And so I've got this little box of milk duds. Okay. How many of you guys believe that I could throw this box of milk duds and hit that table? Show of hands. How many of you guys believe I could do that? Like half of you. You guys, what if I told you I played basketball all the way up to high school And I'm actually a pretty decent shot. How many of you guys believe I could hit that? Raise your hands. No more of you guys. Okay, so how many of you guys who raise your hands? Go ahead, everybody raise your hands. That Raise your hands. Okay, I can see everybody. So how many of you guys would be willing to put money that I could hit that table from here? Let's just say like something simple, like a dollar. How many of you guys would put a dollar down? So about a little less of you guys. How many of you guys would believe that I could hit this table and are so willing to believe in me that you'd put $100 down? $100. So like four of you guys. Okay, now I'm going to ask, I can take your money legitimately. How many of you guys are going to come up and give me your credit card and uh, put your money where your mouth is, believe that I can hit that table? I Don't matter. I can get your money. (laughs) I'm no excuses. For real. Does somebody want to put $100 down? No, all of a sudden you guys don't believe in me anymore. What's up with that? So obviously we can become very clear. It becomes very clear that our level of belief is determined upon what it costs us. As soon as we go from believing in just a feel good statement because, yeah, I got your back to, oh man, this is actually going to cost me some money. This is actually going to cost me something. Our level of belief started to dwindle a little bit, didn't it? We went from everybody, I managed to convince almost everybody to raise your hands the first go around, and not a single one of you guys would put your money where your mouth was. When it actually came time to believe in me, and me to actually throw it, nobody was willing to put money down. So did the definition of belief change as I talked? Or did your level of belief change as your investment changed? 1 John 2, 4 says, Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. By the way, I just want to see if I can. You would have made a hundred bucks. No, you believed in me. The person who says, I know him, but does nothing, is a liar. The person who says, I believe in him, but does nothing, is a liar. True belief is not saying, I believe just when it feels good. True belief is saying I believe and putting your money where your mouth is and actually putting forth that belief in especially circumstances in which it costs us something. So the rich man who came to Jesus obviously wasn't a true believer. And we're going to cover that story. Matthew 19, if you guys wanted to turn. Matthew 19, starting in verse 16. Matthew 19. Just then, a man came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Listen to Jesus' response. Why do you ask me what is good? It's kind of interesting. We're going to focus on that here in a minute. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good, and if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Well, which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, Well, obviously, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your mother and father. Love your neighbor as yourself. The rich man says, all of these I have kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions, give to the poor, and I will have treasure in heaven. I really don't believe Jesus is saying this sarcastically. I really don't believe that Jesus is mocking this young man. I really believe that Jesus was putting forward a piece of information, a new uh, challenge that this rich man had to face. He continues, then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. I really believe that what the problem is here isn't that the rich man had a problem with what Jesus was saying and all of a sudden didn't believe what Jesus was saying. I really believe that what Jesus was doing was he was getting to the bottom of this rich man's unbelief. Because if this rich man really truly believed Jesus and everything he had to say, he would have been more than ecstatic to put down his money to ensure, and even Jesus says, he will have treasure in heaven. This rich man, if he'd have believed in Jesus, truly what Jesus was saying, He'd have been willing to put that down because he can see the benefits of what Jesus is offering him in the future. So if I said to all of you guys, give me every penny, every single dollar that you have, whether it's in your bank account, whether it's in your wallet, whether it's in a savings account at home, whether it's invested into a stock, give me every penny that you have when you leave Kyle tonight, give me every single cent that you have. And next week when you come back, I will have quadrupled your money. And as you're leaving Chi Alpha, you you walk out of here. You have two responses. You can either believe me and walk away excited because next week you're going to come back and you're going to have four times the amount of money that you came in here tonight with. Or you're not going to believe me and you're going to walk away sad because I will have taken all of your money. This rich man, if he'd have truly believed what Jesus was saying, he'd have walked away excited He'd walked away ecstatic. He'd walked away with his head held high. Because it's not like Jesus said, Hey, give me all of your money. You need to live poor and in turmoil and suffering, and you need to be bitter in order to get into heaven. Now Jesus is saying, You need to give all these things away because you'll have treasure in heaven. It's not like Jesus promised him nothing. He was saying, You will have a return on your investments. So let's think about it for a second. If Jesus were standing here in this room today, if he were here right in front of you, and you could ask him one single solitary question, it's all that time he had, was one question per person. What's the one question you would ask? I really think my question would be along the same lines as the rich man, as the young rich man. Because I would wanna know one, I would wanna know if my theology was wrong, and two, I would know what I needed to change to line up to better fit into God's path for my life. And if I wasn't receiving salvation, if I wasn't in line to receive salvation through Jesus Christ, I would want to know what the one thing I needed in order to line up, in order to have true belief would be. And Jesus' response, and I said, well, Key on this, one of his first responses was, What is good? Only God. God is good. And I think we've kind of muddied down the word good over the years. I think good now can describe so many different things. Like, good can describe uh, sushi or pizza. It's like, I, I'm guilty of this all the time. Like I, like, I take the word amazing. Like, I will describe uh, sushi as just absolutely amazing. There's a place in Rapid City that has amazing sushi And then I'll go into church tomorrow, and if Phil gives me that dirty look again, I'm going to punch him. Sushi is good, bro. And then I'll go into church the very next day, and I'll be like, dude, isn't God so amazing? And the person next to me is like, yeah, he's amazing, just like that sushi you had last night, right? So we've dumbed down words like good, like amazing, like all these ways in which we would normally describe God. We've dumbed them down to a level that they no longer have the same power that they once held. now go and sell all of your possessions. See, the kingdom of heaven is not like this rich man. The kingdom of heaven isn't like this story at all. Because on Matthew 13, just a few pages before this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Our response to to the gospel, our response to Jesus Christ, if we want to have true belief and we want to have the kingdom of heaven, and we want to experience what Jesus Christ says the kingdom of heaven is, we have to have a relationship with this world in which we are willing to completely sell everything. We need to get rid of everything of this world, our job, our money, our career, our education, whatever it is. And we need to be, have this attitude like we will put this thing aside in order to do what God is asking me to do. And that doesn't excuse you from not doing your homework because you guys need to get your homework done. And you need to go through school and you need to do these things if this is the path that God has you on. Luke 19, we learn about a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is an awesome, short little dude within story. But he was a tax collector, and he was he was identified as a wealthy tax collector. And back in the day, in order to get wealthy as a tax collector, it wasn't about doing your job the right way. In order to become a wealthy tax collector, basically what you had to do is you had to swindle and cheat and lie people out of their hard-earned income so that you could take it and pocket it. This was Zacchaeus' job. And one day Jesus was coming through town and Zacchaeus wanted to see what was going on. And so he climbed up on a sycamore tree. We, got, we, know, we know the story. And Jesus pointed him out and he said, hey, I'm staying at your house, Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus welcomed him gladly. Why would you not? See, Zacchaeus was so notoriously a bad guy that when Jesus went to his house, everybody began gossiping and saying, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Like think in this town, how many people do you know that are so notoriously bad, so notoriously evil, so notoriously a a sinner that could cause that kind of reputation in which hung out with them? People would be saying, man, he's, he's hanging out with a sinner. He's hanging out with a bad guy. This dude had that reputation. He was so bad that everyone knew who he was and everybody knew what he had done, and everybody knew what kind of character this guy had. Zacchaeus was not a good guy. Zacchaeus had not spent his entire life trying to live up to the Ten Commandments. Zacchaeus and this, the young rich ruler were two polar opposites. Zacchaeus says to the Lord, Jesus, Lord, Lord, I will give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone, I will pay back four times that amount. And Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. See, the the young rich ruler, or the, the young rich man, even though he had put forward the effort, had done all these things during his life in order to be in what he considered right standing with God and be a good, moral, upright citizen. When it came to his wealth and it came to his power and his influence, he wasn't willing to part with that in order to inherit the kingdom of God. Whereas Zacchaeus, who was an evil sinner, swindler, didn't really care about people at the time, when Jesus laid forward this plan, Zacchaeus was more than willing to adhere to it. What is the difference between the young rich ruler or the young rich man and Zacchaeus? I really think it comes down to belief. Zacchaeus truly believed that what Jesus had to say was real and authentic, whereas the young rich ruler didn't have that same level of belief. And so instead, Zacchaeus was disappointed. Or, sorry, instead the young ruler or the rich young man was disappointed. Life is too short. Life is way too short to hold on to something so tightly, whether it's wealth, whether it's, it's, it's power, whether it's other sins that we struggle with. Life is too short to hold on to these things that happened to rob us of our salvation and take our treasures away from heaven. And so what it really comes down to is it's time that we stop taking our lives so seriously and we start taking Jesus so seriously. And so what do we do? How do we respond? How do we get to the level of belief that Zacchaeus had? And how do we make sure that we don't fall into the unbelief like the young rich ruler did? How do we get from point A to point B? How do we ensure that we have that kind of belief without Jesus straight up saying, hey, you need to give up your entire life and move to Africa and start a mission? I really think what it comes down to is a lot of times in our lives, we tend to deal with the symptoms rather than the heart of the issues. We tend to deal with the symptom that is causing us to fail, it's causing us to sin, and we don't actually attack the heart of the issue. And so what we have to do is we have to stop, take a second. and We have to think. We have to actually think through the process. If I really believe, if I really truly believe that this life is a vapor and that it really is all about eternity, would I have this same level of stress? Would I have this same level of of anxiety? Would I have this same level of depression concerning this issue? If I really believe what Jesus said was true. I really believe that this life is insignificant compared to eternity. Am I behaving the right, right way? Am I putting my money where my mouth is? Am I putting up the $100? Because I really believe in these two stories, it wasn't about the money. It was about the belief and the unbelief underneath it. Am I willing to do anything and everything to ensure that the gospel of Jesus Christ is spread? Am I willing to put my entire life down on the line in order to ensure that the gospel of Jesus Christ is spread on this campus while you're in college here? Am I willing to put down my life? Do I believe Jesus at that level? And if the answer is no, then we need to get to that level. Because in this room, I don't want belief to become muddied up like we've muddied up the word good and the word amazing. I want belief to really represent what true belief actually is. Because I truly want to believe in Jesus Christ. I truly want to be able to, at the the spur of a moment, if God says do this, I don't want to take a year and waste my opportunity trying to figure out if I'm at that level in my belief in Jesus Christ. So what's it going to take? is God asking you to give up? What is Jesus saying? You need to do this. This is an area that you struggle with. This is a God in your life. If you don't give this up, what in your life is unbelief? What in your life is that one area that if God said you need to do this, you would have a hard time doing it. So tonight, I feel like it's important that we take a minute and we pray about this. We spend a little bit of time in prayer. Get out of our comfort zones and ask God where our unbelief is. Because I really believe as we walk out our, our relationship with God, I do feel like there are certain areas that he addresses. And he'll address different areas as we progress in our walk. There'll be these things that are become smaller and smaller. They become God's almost. Addictions. Sins, money, power, education, a job, a family, whatever that one thing is that we're not willing to give up for God, that's a problem. We should be willing to give up anything and everything for God. And so tonight I want to make sure that we deal with our unbelief. And so I'm going to ask you, we're going to take a minute, I'm going to turn the lights down, I'm going to give you guys some time to enter into a prayer Enter into the relationship, or not relationship. Enter into the presence with God, and I want you to specifically pray about these things. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to ask God to reveal to you any areas of your life that you are unbelieving, any areas of your life that is is a god in your life, any areas that is hurting your relationship with God. And these areas can be anything from finances, health, family, time, energy whatever it may look like, I want you to ask God where your unbelief is. The second thing I want you to pray to God about is I want you to ask God to give you strength in those areas of unbelief in order to overcome them. And then the third thing I want you to do is I want you to ask God to reveal to us what it would be, what it would take for you to be on fire for him even more than you are. I want you to ask God what it would take to really be on fire, searching after him, being willing to give up anything and everything. What will it take to have that kind of relationship for him? And then ask him to do whatever it's going to take on his end to get us to that place. So the three things, reveal any of your unbelief, ask God to have strength to deal with those unbelief and then ask God to reveal what it would take for us to be on fire for him and to do whatever it takes to get us there. I'm going to give you guys like five, ten minutes to pray.